the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. It's Lifeline with Craig Roberts. He's the host of Northern California's longest-running conservative talk show. He's a man with a message, a conservative with compassion. He's Lifeline's own Craig Roberts. Thank you and welcome. Good to have you with us for this Wednesday edition of Lifeline. It is, of course, the 12th day. Is that right? All of a sudden, the calendar is missing. The 13th day, 13th day of October. Oh, my, how time flies when you're having fun or you get caught in a bit of a time work, which seemingly is where we've been at today. And as I welcome you to another edition of Lifeline, I must say we've got a great show planned for you today. A little bit later on in this hour, Reverend Walter and Lori Hoy will join us. We'll talk about a special event taking place here in the Bay Area this weekend. And and in particular, um, spend some time sort of breaking down the black American experience and the challenges that black Americans continue to face in this country in spite of, quite frankly, a lot of uh, misunderstandings and even a fair amount of rhetoric out there. We'll get to specifically what I mean by that when Reverend Walter Hoy joins us along with his lovely wife, Lori, in studio coming up in a few moments. Let me first say that today, an important day, a day in which history is being made, is the House Intelligence Committee holding the first public impeachment hearing, President Trump facing the prospect of becoming only the third president in U.S. history potentially to be impeached by the House. Our answer to these questions will affect not only the future of this presidency, but the future of the presidency itself and what kind of conduct or misconduct the American people may come to expect from their commander-in-chief. This is the first in a series of public hearings the committee will be holding as part of the House's impeachment inquiry. Yeah, there's a California Democrat, Adam Schiff, saying the House will decide whether President Trump tried to exploit Ukraine's vulnerabilities in order to get Ukraine to investigate Democrats. Now, I have to admittedly say that this is not the first time I've covered an impeachment trial. We did so back in the 90s for then-President Bill Clinton, but not a trial anything quite like this. Let's get a report from Washington, D.C. We're joined by California Congressman Tom McClintock, and uh, Tom, is always a delight and an honor to have you join us. Well, thank you. Thank you so much for having me back. A bit of a circus atmosphere, I would suspect, back there. We've been kind of anticipating this, and particularly now that all the cameras are turned on. Give me your sense, day number one, how are things going? Well, I don't think it's fair to compare it with a circus. It's not fair to the circuses in America. Um, This is exactly what the American founders feared, that the impeachment process, which they reserved for treason, bribery, and other high crimes and misdemeanors, would instead be used as a political cudgel. There's a big discussion in the Constitutional Convention about this. Uh, uh, George Mason proposed that uh, grounds for impeachment be maladministration. And it was James Madison, known as the father of our Constitution, that said, wait a second, maladministration, what does that mean? That could mean anything. Uh, and if, if impeachment is going to be for that kind of a broad, uh, we just don't like what he's doing, uh, then we're making the executive uh, subordinate to the to the uh, legislative branch, and that's not what this Constitution is designed for. It's designed to be co-equal branches. 
So Adam Schiff is is what the uh, what the American founders feared. Uh, the fact is that the president did nothing wrong in that conversation with the Ukrainian president. He, under our Constitution, has the plenary authority to, to conduct our foreign affairs, and he has the responsibility to see that our laws are faithfully executed. And by the way, the, the 2019 National Defense Authorization Act, which, which provided for defense funds for Ukraine, um, explicitly requires the president to certify that the Ukrainians are taking steps to combat corruption. Uh, remember last year, three leading Democratic senators demanded that the Ukrainian government cooperate with the Mueller investigation. So certainly the president should be able to suggest that it cooperate with the follow-up investigations that involve corrupt dealings between uh, uh, Ukrainian and American officials. One of the things that that I think is surprising so far, at least in what we're hearing, is sort of the directive or the, the direction that's being laid out by House Democrats, and that is the sense that they're kind of trying to build this case. And traditionally, in order to do so, was something with a tremendous sense of gravitas as impeachment that may potentially, uh, once a trial is held in the Senate, lead to a president being removed, that normally you want to see impeachment on a very wide foundation in order to be successful. This seems to be a 500-story building that's put built on about a square foot in so far as they seem to consider that this singular call between the president and the president of Ukraine to be altogether sufficient for impeachment. But does it really rise to that occasion? Does it provide the kind of legal foundation in order to really meet the requirements of the Constitution? Well, you know, again, the the, the, the facts are pretty clear, and, and they're not in dispute. The president had a conversation with the Ukrainian president, which he asked for its cooperation, uh, with uh, uh, ongoing investigations into into a uh, 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 corrupt association between uh, American and uh, Ukrainian officials, um, uh, uh, and that is entirely within the president's responsibility, both under the the NDAA as well as the Constitution itself. The the other facts that are relevant are, you know, Biden's son, Hunter, was indeed paid lavishly by Burisma Holdings, which is a Ukrainian oil and gas company, to sit on its board of directors, although he had no experience in Ukrainian affairs or the oil and gas industry, while his father, the vice president at the time, was directly involved in in, uh, uh, Ukrainian relations with the United States. Nobody disputes that, and nobody disputes the fact that uh, Biden boasted publicly that he threatened to withhold aid to the Ukrainian government unless it fired the Ukrainian prosecutor general, a fellow named Viktor Shokin. Now, what was Viktor Shokin doing at the time? Viktor Shokin, uh, according to a sworn affidavit he made to the uh, European court, uh, was actively investigating um, uh, the uh, uh, about $3 million in fees that Biden and his partner collected from Burisma. Of, uh, he was preparing to interrogate Hunter Biden on that subject, and lo and behold, the vice president shows up and says to the Ukrainian president, unless you fire this prosecutor, we're going to withhold um, uh, over a billion dollars of, of uh, federal loan guarantees. Now, that at least, now, either Shokin is simply lying, which I doubt, and this is a sworn affidavit, and he's told many other uh, reporters and other individuals this, or he's telling the truth. And if he's telling the truth, it constitutes probable cause to believe that Biden was using his power in a corrupt manner, and that certainly justifies an investigation. And and uh, uh, unlike the Trump conversation, where there was no quid pro quo, 
Biden directly and unapologetically linked American aid to an official act that clearly benefited his son. And just because Biden happens to be a presidential candidate certainly doesn't shield him from scrutiny. I mean, think about it. Obama pursued a criminal investigation of Donald Trump based on a Hillary Clinton financed dossier that they knew was false at the time they began the investigation. Based on the performance that you witnessed today, and it'll take a couple of days off, I think the next public hearing is on Friday, uh, where do you get a sense, Congressman, as to where this is going to wind up? Is it going to wind up being just a, a big exercise in time, waste, and, and fertility? Do you think the House is actually going to follow through? Uh, one of the big concerns, and you sort of saw this with the hesitation by Nancy Pelosi on the heels of the Mueller report being released, to even move forward with the consideration of impeachment, and that is how this may end up in time a backlashing or falling back on Democrats as we move into the 2020 election cycle. Well, I, I think it has every potential of doing exactly that. Look, the Democrats were um, uh, the first calls for Trump's impeachment. I looked this up. They began days after the uh, 2016 election. That was more than two and a half months before he was sworn into office. The Democrats were already calling for his impeachment. Um, just the day after the 2018 election made uh, Jerry Nadler, the chairman of the judiciary, he was overheard by a reporter plotting out an impeachment strategy on the train back to Washington. They have, they have been uh, um, uh, searching for a pretext to hang an, an impeachment on. They put enormous hope into this entire Russian collusion hoax. Uh, and after uh, uh, 22 months and $35 million, Mueller could find nothing. Um, so you know, we heard in the interim, we heard about uh, uh, the, uh, the emoluments clause, tax returns, Stormy Daniels, and then they hit upon this uh, Ukrainian conversation, um, which, is, which is, again, a perfectly normal diplomatic conversation well within the president's uh, authority under the Constitution. So they've been planning this for a long time. Um, uh, the, the interesting thing is this. They might be able to suppress debate in the House. They may be able to prevent uh, Republicans from calling witnesses, uh, prevent the um, uh, a president's lawyer from being pres- present. Of uh, um, you know all of the due process rights that our previous impeachments have all respected. They might be able to get away with that in the House. But McConnell's talking about okay, you know, let's have a full trial in the Senate and let's bring out all sides. And at that point, I think that um, of, of the full involvement of Hunter Biden, why was he paid more than $3 million uh, to sit on a board of a corrupt Ukrainian oil and gas company um, uh, when he had no experience in the field and his vice president was doing favors for that company? I mean, those are really important questions. And uh, I think all of that's going to come out. And at the same time that's coming out, don't forget, you still have the uh, Horowitz and Durham investigations uh, into the genesis of the whole Russian hoax. Now, we know who this so-called whistleblower is. He is a Democratic operative at the CIA with close ties to uh, uh, John Brennan and James Clapper and Joe Biden. Uh, this is all part of the same cabal that cooked up the Russian collusion hoax. I think all of that could well end up being revealed to the people during a fair trial in the Senate. And uh, I think that would be a very good thing. I suspect that before the uh, the 2020 election, the American people are going to have a very complete view of how this whole Russian collusion hoax started, 
of uh, uh, what Joe Biden's involvement was with the Ukrainian government. There are an awful lot of unanswered questions that I think are going to be answered before we go to the polls next year. And and certainly, I think, uh, Congressman, at the end of the day, if there is a percentage of people in this country that are eager to see the president turned out, well, you'll have an opportunity to have your say-so come Tuesday, November 3rd. And uh, in the meanwhile, it'll be interesting to see just how much time, political energy, and quite frankly, uh, a massive stalemate, because while the House is busy paying attention to this, I would suspect, um, Congressman, there's not much else business going on. Well, that's, that's another important point. I mean, they're totally obsessed on this, and there's only so much bandwidth uh, 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 that the Congress can can occupy, and all uh, and, and virtually all of it right now is going to impeachment, and that's probably going to be the, the, the case um, uh, as it moves to a trial in the Senate. But that trial can get very interesting and I think very revealing about the abuse of power during the, um, during the Obama administration. Uh, and they might be able to suppress that in the House. They won't be able to suppress that in the Senate. California Congressman Tom McClintock representing uh, the 4th District and all Californians to Washington, D.C. And, uh, Congressman, as always, we appreciate you carving out some time to update our audience here in the San Francisco Bay Area. Congressman Tom McClintock, more information on the web about his great work at mcclintock.house.gov. It's 518. Let's get you caught up on traffic right now. The latest from the KFAX Traffic Center. And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts. All right, we are back and uh, always a delight to have this couple join us in studio. Uh, You know him as one of the unique frontline soldiers standing up for um, the cause of life and the cause of Christ. Joining me tonight in studio is the founder and president of the Issues for Life Foundation and um, author Leadership from the Inside Out. He is Reverend Walter Hoy, and uh, alongside him is uh, his helpmate and uh, number one gal. That's right. That's the, right. The, the That's brains. Right. I, I have a good authority. The brains behind the outfit. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, Lori Hoy. And that's... <laughs> He, he told me to say it that way, just oh, so he okay. stays in your good okay. stead. <laughs> Lori, great to have you with us. Reverend Hoy, always, always, good to be always here. a pleasure to spend some time together. And um, you're here tonight in context of a special event that's going to be taking place this Saturday. And I want folks to kind of be queued up because a little bit later on in our conversation tonight, we're going to be giving away tickets to attend this special event, the content of character series, and uh, we'll we'll tell you more about that in a moment. Uh, meanwhile, kind of give us an update. We we typically get together around uh, yeah, uh, yeah, 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 yeah January or so. I always yeah. know it's a new year because it's Sanctity of of Life Month, and yeah. of course you're you're a, a loud voice out <laughs> there in defense of the unborn. Uh, but so here's kind of a, a year end update. Tell us what's been going on since we last saw each other. Well, oh my goodness, you know we had a, a very successful uh, March. And uh, webcast in January. It was just awesome. We have our, 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 our annual march in Oakland, and that went really well, really well. Um, we meet right in front of Oakland City Hall. We, we have a rally, and then we walk down middle of downtown Oakland, come all the way around MLK's Boulevard, back to the uh, Oakland City Hall. So that went real well. And, and before that, on Martin Luther King's birthday, we have a webcast, and it's just fantastic. And on the webcast, we have the niece of Dr. Martin Luther King 
on the webcast. And so uh, January was boom. We had a big, successful January. And then since then, we've just been traveling uh, literally all over. And we've been to Washington, D.C. two or three times already working on various projects. And, of course, there's been a lot going on. I mean, this has been sort of an unusual season in the last, oh, I don't know, three, four years in that we've seen such an overwhelming percentile of states that have been adopting pro-life legislation. Mm-hmm. And, of course, we've seen the issue of life very much in the crosshairs from the, the standpoint of um, the trial taking place, <laughs> even as we speak, in San Francisco, mm-hmm. uh, related to what, what I continue to be shocked about, that we're, we're talking about, well, they came in with cameras, and we didn't know they were recording, <laughs> and they snuck in, and the badges were false. <laughs> Wait a minute. There was outright right. violation of federal law. There, there was the, the sale of right. human organs going on here. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But we're going to talk about the people that snuck in. What? Yeah. I mean, it, it, it demonstrates that I think at a level, organizations like Planned Parenthood mm. and those that mm. really see this as not choice, not women's rights, it's a business. Let's just call it what it is. Yes, it's it a is. very profitable business. And when you combine the ability to extract money out of the federal government to the tune of hundreds of millions of dollars Mm. in the pretext of of family planning and education and Mm -hmm. things of this sort, along with what you bring in from private donations and then couple that with the fee at the door to get in, uh, this is is big money. This is big Big business at the end of the day. And, And I suppose in one respect, we're seeing a lot of the pushback in cooperation with the courts, as mm-hmm. in the case we just referred to, uh, a- as well as states like California, who, whose legislature just seems no, no limits whatsoever uh, none, uh, no, in none, terms of, you know, none. what can we do to stifle First Amendment rights? <laughs> none, all none. About it. Yeah. Um, so in that regard, this has been a... This has been a fascinating year that there have been some tremendous victories, while albeit facing continuing pushback from the purveyors of death. Oh, yeah. Well... I, I got to talk about this one victory. I had to, I had to pull this up. Just recently, uh, the Kojic General Assembly passed a resolution on the sanctity of life. This is huge now. The Kojic, Church of God in Christ, mm-hmm. is now the only black denomination that has taken it all the way. It's now actually a part of the, the church organization's platform they are completely behind the sanctity of human life. And this is a huge, huge victory for those of us in the Black Pro Life movement. Now, let, let's, let's talk about this and contextualize it from others eavesdropping on the conversation tonight <laughs> saying, well, wait a minute. No, a church. Of course they're pro life. Why is this such a significant <laughs> platform to be adopted by Church of God in Christ? Oh, my goodness. Uh, as you look around the, the, the country, you'll find that not every church, regardless of their denomination, doesn't really matter, is really settled on the sanctity of human life. Even though even though in the first chapter of Exodus, you've got a late term abortion, and it's extremely clear where God stands on that issue. Oh, my goodness. But as you go around from state to state, it becomes very clear that there's a question in the church regarding whether the child inside the womb, that little boy, that little girl, is actually a human being created in the image of God. Now, some listening right now say, wait, wait, wait a minute, though. 
uh, you know, he, 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 the Lord says that I have created you in my image. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. He, he, he speaks of the, the Daniel, while you were yet in the womb, yet right. I knew you. Right, I mean, right, so there's right. that, that imagery that would suggest that, well, God seems to be on board with this idea. So the rest yes. of us kind of ought to just follow, follow along. I have to wonder, is this as much a question of unsettled theology mm, as it is way. a question of there's such a profound number of people mm. who have participated mm. willingly or unwillingly mm. in this that it becomes sort of the secret around the table. It's like, you know, gathering at a bar and 20 people sitting at the table are all alcoholics, but nobody wants to admit to it. Nobody wants to talk about pushing back from the table because it's such a painful topic. And they think, well, gee, I, I don't want to talk about this because I don't want to offend somebody else. And I certainly don't want to be offended. It hits too close to home. Is it more the latter than the former? Absolutely. There's no question about that. In, in all of our experience, no matter where we travel, it, it's always a personal reason why we don't want to talk about this. The number one reason why a black leadership rejects the pro-life movement and, and does not want to talk about this is this is the most controversial issue in the black church today. Number one reason is that the pastor himself is involved in abortion. There's an abortion in his life somewhere. And so now it's getting personal. And so if you're not prepared to have that intimate conversation, then you, you, you're not prepared to right. actually address that and issue. You've you got feelings of guilt and con, self-condemnation oh, yeah. and, boy, what does this say of me as a man, as a pastor, my relationship with God? Mm-hmm. Uh, what if this was an abortion that, that took wow. place prior wow. to meeting my wife and wow. all yeah. of those layers wow. of complexity yeah. here, too? Oh, yeah. And, 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 and I would suspect, and this is what I think is, is particularly frustrating, that when you look at the sheer numbers, the disproportionate number of abortions mm. in America mm. that are specifically black babies. Yeah, And you've often wondered, you know, you, you look at the census when it comes out every 10 years. We've got another one coming up in 2020. And you show... Tremendous leaps in growth in the Latino community, tremendous leaps of, leaps of growth in the Asian-American community, many of the minority communities, except ironically, uh, seemingly over the last four decades, mm-hmm. oddly almost the same yeah. length of time as Abortion's abortion being legal in America, mm-hmm. African-American community has been sort of hovering here at 12, 13 percent. You wonder, well, how is that? Right, right, right. Why is that? And it really gets to the heart of this whole abortion question, doesn't it? It gets right to the heart of this. And this particular one, you really ought to take this. Oh, yeah. Come on, Because (laughs) we're looking at, because the 2000 census, black Americans became the second largest minority. And in 2010, the census became more creative because now there's multiple ways you can be black because you can't have the percentage of black people continue to decline so you can be just black or you can be black and non-latino or you can be black and latino or you can be black and non-latino and another race or you can be black and more than one race I've in noticed that. I mean, it, it, yeah, there's the, like five the, the different list categories goes on multiple pages. Like, yeah. I think I thought I used to know what I am. Exactly. Now I'm not sure. Now you're not <laughs> sure anymore because they had to become creative because the numbers are diminishing. Our population is decreasing. 
our fertility rate is now below the replacement level, which is 1.8. Wow. And if you look at the total number of abortions in this country, we're talking about over 60 million lives lost. Well, over 21 million of those lives are black folk. We're talking about over 55% of our current population has been lost to abortion in the last 52 years since California legalized it in 67. And then you talk about the disparity amongst other races, just yeah. you know, proportionately, mm. the number of abortions amongst yeah. Latinos, African Americans, yes. Asian Americans, et cetera, oh, yeah. et cetera. You come to find out that, boy, there is this big, There's a big huge gap. spike. You know, we're more than double our population. If our population tops off at 14%, Guttmacher says we're 28% of all the abortions. But the CDC says we're 36% of all abortions, and the CDC doesn't include, is it 10, 12 territories? Which, no, 22 Oh, I'm sorry, 22 territories. States. States are omitted from the CDC data. Because they don't report. Right, and we're purpose. still 36%. Mm-hmm. And California, who's the biggest abortion performer in the country, they're not included in that number. Funny how yeah, we, we love to boast about us being number one. We're the seventh biggest <laughs> right. economy. we got the greatest number of taxes, all this. Yes. But yeah, this yeah, is yeah. one thing we don't yeah. like to come clean on. No, do we? we don't talk about that. And wow. they have made sure that legislatively they don't have to report it. So there, it's very easy for California to try and hide, but yet they get the money and they take the Medicaid and they, you know, they pay for basically the elimination of citizens. And if you look at how many people we've eliminated, mm. I mean, we've in the in abortion has eliminated like mm. the entire population of California if you count just the black community. Wow. You know? and, and you know, uh, to to tie this into some of the the subject matter tonight, um the question of why does this happen? Why is it being permitted? How come seemingly leadership is looking the other way? Uh, does it come down to a question of character and integrity? Let's talk about that after a timeout. With me tonight in studio, Reverend Walter Hoy, Lori Hoy, his wife with us in studio. There's an event called the Content of Character Series coming to the San Francisco Bay Area Saturday, November the 16th. And uh, we're going to give away some free tickets here coming up after the break. It'll be simple. I'll tell you when to call in. You just jump on the phone and say, I'd love a pair of tickets, too. And uh, we'll get them in your hands. Let's take a timeout, get you updated on traffic right now from the KFAX Traffic Center. And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts. Back to our conversation, Reverend Walter Hoy, his wife Lori with us tonight in studio. The Content of Character series is an event taking place here in the San Francisco Bay Area, Saturday, November the 16th, and it'll be held at South Bay Community Church in Fremont. And um, we've got a great number of keynote speakers, including Reverend Walter Hoy. Lori will be speaking. And um, if you'd like to get some tickets, I'll tell you how easy you can be a part of this very special event. You give us a call right now at 888-367-5329. That's 888-367-5329. And we're just going to give you a pair. And uh, it's going to be one of those, while supplies last, I'm never sure what that meant. But uh, if you'd like to get a pair of tickets to come and uh, join this event, again, it's going to be from uh, check-in at 8 a.m. And the uh, program runs from 9 a.m. to 4 p.m. at South Bay Community Church in Fremont. You can get a free pair of tickets to attend right now at 888-367-5329. That's 888 F O R K F A X. I want to come back. 
Reverend Hoyt, is something we were touching on before the break, and that is the sense of the guilt, the shame that all seems to encompass almost this conspiracy of silence that's uh, been in place for so long. And oftentimes, because, Laurie, mm-hmm. as you mentioned, the numbers are so off the charts, oh, so yeah. wow. disproportionate oh, yeah. that I can see why people say, let's not talk about this because it's happened to so many lives. And then there's the sense of the guilt, the shame, the embarrassment. What do we do with all of this? I think within the context of understanding Scripture, the answer is, well, we come together, we pray, uh, we we go before the altar, we seek God's face, we confess our sin, we receive forgiveness and healing, we acknowledge the mistake, we acknowledge the loss, we grieve, just like you would if a child was hit by a car at the age of 17. We'd say the same thing. The family suffered a loss. We acknowledge it. We memorialize. The community comes together and lends support. Women that have gone through abortions miss out on all that, and it seems to be suggested here that this conspiracy of silence, particularly within the African-American church, Mm. has been too many of us are too guilty, so we just don't want to touch on it at all. I would wonder if if we changed up the dialogue and instead of saying too many abortions are taking place within the black community today and we need to stand up, call this for what it is, bring healing to those that have gone through it and say to the others, there are other options. Yes. If we changed up that dialogue and made an announcement tomorrow that uh, 500 white doctors in America are responsible <laughs> for taking the lives of black babies and killing them in the womb mm-hmm. and preventing them from being able to come to, to life and, yeah. and become, you know, grow up and become contributing members of society, I would right. imagine the protests in Washington, D.C., oh, yeah. <laughs> from sea to shining sea and border to border would oh, be yeah. impossible, and rightly so, to contain. So if we put it in that context and say, what a horrible, terrible thing, why why would it in the minds of some be wrong if you sort of racially charge it? But if you just talk straight up about the loss, tremendous loss of life, African American genocide. That's what it is. Why isn't why why doesn't that carry the same sense of gravitas? Well, uh, that when you get right down to it, it's difficult to admit you're wrong. Mm-hmm. It's difficult to admit that you've been part of the problem. It's difficult to admit that you were duped. You, you bought into the, uh, the, the dialogue. You, you bought into the wrong. And now you have to admit that everything that you've been saying or not been saying, oh, my goodness, it's actually been contributing to the ill will. And when you get to that point where it's personal, where you're going to have to admit something, you're going to have to come before, you're going to have to come clean, uh, that's when it gets to be very, very difficult. Oh, yeah. And African-Americans have suffered so much Mm -hmm. from the history of slavery going back Mm. two, three hundred years or more to the Jim Crow laws Mm -hmm. to institutionalized racism to ways in which even when the white community has attempted to make amends, like we're going to have a war on poverty, oh my, we're going to get everybody help, and what we're going to really do is ghettoize all the blacks and put them in these communities, keep them out of right. our way. I mean, that's essentially right. what, what Johnson's war on poverty succeeded yeah. at doing. Um, and, and we see so many roadblocks, 
so many barriers, and it seems like this is one more barrier right. to advancement mm-hmm. that, you know, if we're going to be honest about it, we need to call it what it is across the board and say it's time It's time for everybody to admit, get up and admit, hey, there, there's, there's right. a lot that's right. happened here that's a product of sin. Absolutely. There, I, I've had women come to me and say, my pastor is a great preacher. My pastor is a great teacher. He's bold. He's degreed. He's seminary. He's seasoned. He's rose up in the ranks. But all of that has not allowed him to actually preach and teach about abortion. And so she's sitting in the church thinking that, oh, my goodness, I may have committed a sin that is so bad, mm-hmm. so bad that not even my pastor is willing to talk about it. And that there's no like a, a abortion recovery program in the church where maybe it's a small group and you can meet with others and then you could get the healing that comes through doing it Christ's way. You know, it's funny because you say it that way. And I think to myself, Lori, Mm-hmm. You know, we talk about divorce in the church. We talk about oh, yeah. drug addiction. Oh, we talk about yeah. people that, that that have you know a variety of maladies, sexual ob- obsessions. Uh, you know, yeah. I mean the, the the list is is ad nauseum as we see in Scripture of mm-hmm. that which separates us from God. Mm-hmm. That's the one thing we don't talk about, and and I wonder if a lot of women feel as if. Just oh, yeah. as Walter says, wow, this this, this must oh, be yeah. the unpardonable sin right. because yeah. of everything pastors ever preached about in a yeah. year full of Sundays, he's never once touched on this. Oh, yeah. Women feel condemned. They feel shamed. They feel, you know, ostracized and, you know, like outcasts. It's like, you know, you'll talk about, like you say, drug addiction, pornography, you know, adultery. You'll bring up stealing, you know, anything. But you won't talk about this issue. And when you have one out of two women over the age of 40, black women, sitting in a church pew who have had an abortion or who have, you know, participated in some way, they encouraged somebody, they gave them a ride, they did. So it's like you're an entire congregation of people who are feeling that guilt and that shame. And, you know, and it brings up almost a resentment because, you know, it's like, well, God says, you know, he will supply all your needs and he will forgive your sins. So why isn't there an avenue for me to get forgiveness for this sin? And it's it's a I mean, it's a, de- a deficit in the church that they don't have a program, even if they just had a, like we've done in the past. You have a group for grief and loss where you're dealing with grieving the loss of a person, whether the person was lost, like you said, the child got run over by a car or, you know, gunshot wounds in our neighborhoods. People die from old age. Miscarriage is another area mm-hmm. that the church doesn't deal with a whole lot. And abortion. And when you approach it from a grieving loss and a healing standpoint, you can get people in the church to come to a small group and actually be able to process that loss and to get through it. And it will eventually, once you get through that entire process, and I've done a couple of classes and I know where people are going to get stuck and I tell them and they don't believe me, but they get stuck anyway. And so (laughs) once we get through that and you come back, I mean, it helps the church to have people who are healed and whole. And they've got to see that this is a necessity with just the sheer numbers of abortions in our community. 
the spiritual stumbling block, so to speak, for Paul, for the Apostle Paul, was mm-hmm. his, his thorn in the side, thorn in the flesh. We never learn within Scripture exactly what that is. Right. But I would suspect in terms of being that one area of our life where we have a profound weakness that we've all faced it. It's different mm-hmm. for everybody, but we've mm-hmm. all faced it. It's the one thing that the devil knows how to use to trigger exactly. us. Does this serve as sort of a, a, a spiritual thorn in the flesh for post-abortive women having a deleterious or negative impact on relationship with their kids, relationship with their husbands, mm-hmm. relationship with their God, because it's the one thing that they can't come clean on, and exactly. yet maybe subconsciously they find themselves compensating in, in oh, so yeah. many ways because of this, this enormous yeah. sense of guilt and, oh, the, yeah. and the question constantly over their heads. I know the Bible says I'm forgiven, but am I really? Is this the pastor won't talk about it? You right, said right, it, Reverend right, Moore. Yeah, pastor right. won't talk about it. Yeah. Maybe this is the unpardonable sin for which I will not be exactly. in heaven exactly. with my family yeah. when God calls me home because mm. I have committed the one sin. Nobody mm-hmm. will talk about it. Maybe this is it. Oh, yeah. I mean, we've seen in, in different groups that we've interacted with the impact on marriages, the impact on the relationship right, with your children, right, right. your siblings, your parents. I mean, even um, your kids are impacted by it because if your child knows that there's an abortion in their past, they know that they're fortunate to be here. Mm-hmm. And that impacts how they relate to their parents. Exactly. I mean, people act out, you know, promiscuity, drugs, overeating, depression, bulimia. I mean, it takes a lot of different forms because you're trying, like you say, you're trying to compensate for a pain that you have no way to figure out how to get that pain healed, how to get that sin forgiven because there's no conversation about it. And so you're just stuck. You're just out there. You get stuck. And meanwhile, because the truth is not being told about the impact of this act, the impact continues to have its 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 uh, its tentacles out there oh, yeah. into the entire community, yeah. But so Absolutely. much so that yeah. you're saying you're, you're, yeah. the the black com- American community, African American community, is barely replacing itself now yeah. because yeah. of this. It's exactly. not. It's not. It's replacing not. Itself. It's not replacing. Yeah, we're, no. below, we're replacement below replacement level. We're below replacement level. level is two point one, we're and that's just to maintain. Right. That's right. not to grow higher yep. or be any less. Just to maintain. We're Below 2.1. We're down to 1.8. Wow. Okay. We're going to pause on that point because it's heavy stuff to ponder. With me today in studio, Reverend Walter Hoy, Lori Hoy as well. The content of character series, we'll talk a bit about that when we come back after the break. It'll be taking place here in the San Francisco Bay Area this Saturday, November the 16th. Is that this Saturday? Mm-hmm. It is this Saturday, isn't it? It, sure it is. is. Um, 9 a.m. to 4 p.m., 8 a.m. check-in, uh, hosted by South Bay Community Church. Great list of uh, keynote speakers, uh, including, of course, Reverend Walter Hoy, Pastor Jesse Lee Peterson, who you know has been a guest on this program many times down through the years. Lori Hoy will also be speaking. And um, it really dives into broader aspects of the African-American experience in relationship to the church and this whole question of character. Um, the, the the phrase that was made so famous by Dr. Martin Luther King, not to be judged on one's color of skin, but rather on the content of character. Character is important, though these days in America, sometimes it's hard to really see that as fact. 
We'll come back with more of our conversation. You want to get tickets? I've got a free pair right now. $70 value, 888 You just need to call up and say, can I get a free pair? And as long as Joel has them, he'll dish them out. 888-367-5329, F-O-R-K-F-A-X. Caller's number, whatever number you are, you call in. We give you free pair as long as they last. 888-367-5329, F-O-R-K-F-A-X. Get a look at traffic right now. The latest from the KFAX Traffic Center. And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts. All right, we're back to the conversation. 888-367-5329-888-F-O-R-K-F-A-X, the toll-free number to call. We are giving tickets away to the Content of Character series. Uh, This is, by the way, as Laurie reminded me, been all over the country, now coming to the San Francisco Bay Area. Great group of speakers, and we're going to send you a $70 value to the one-day event, free, taking place at South Bay Community Church. That's on Warm Strings Road in Fremont. And you call me right now, 888-367-5329, and uh, we'll give you a pair of tickets absolutely free. 888-367-5329. We've been talking about the, the topic that's most passionate on your heart, and it's obviously been a big part of your, your ministry. At this event, Lori, you're going to be dealing with the issue of black genocide and abortion. Mm-hmm. Um, but, Reverend Hoy, you're going to talk about the black experience from a historical perspective. Yes, and maybe sir. you can give us just a, just a little bit of a tease, just, just sort of the, uh, you know, coming up next, give us a little bit of a look as to exactly what you'll be ta- dealing with. Well, I, I'm going to take a look at black America in the United States from the 1600s, 1700s, 1800s, and I'll move on. And then I'm, I'm going to make a statement. I'm going to say, at one point in time, every single black American person was a Republican. And then you could hear a pin oh, drop Oh, boy, I'm point. telling you. That's where Bang. they're going to say, somebody pull the fire alarm. We need to clear Bang. the building. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And when I take, it, when I, when I take them through the, the historical record. I mean, a part of my uh, presentation, I have a congressional report that examines the Ku Klux Klan involvement with the Democrat Party. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. No question. In, in fact, boy, you want to get the, the dirty laundry to hang all out there, uh, not just the Klan's involvement with the Democrat mm-hmm. Party, but mm-hmm. the fact that in the 1920s, uh, the Klan used the Pentecostal Church, the uh, white Pentecostal absolutely. Church, as mm-hmm. one of its uh, primary recruiting sources. Mm. Pri- <laughs> There's a lot that we have to really come clean on, isn't there? Absolutely. I, I mean, just, you know, the, the abortion issue, while that's huge and perhaps penultimate because we're talking about yeah, life there. Itself. Mm-hmm. Mm. But then you begin to pull back the layers and say, wow, you know, there is so much confusion, delusion, deception out there <laughs> oh, at yeah. so many layers in so many ways. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, uh, the, the, the Democrat Party is not is not kept up with its promises, done a great job in recruiting the African-American community for Very votes. Very good job. Very not good job. Not so much when it comes to delivering on the promises mm-hmm. that it's made, but it certainly mm-hmm. talks a good game. And, and the Republican Party, sadly, we've seen a shift there, too, where it went from 
being the number one defender, particularly you look back the the foundation of the party yeah. Oh, yeah. in the 1860s, mm-hmm. you know, right there at the the cusp of yeah. of the Civil War, uh, and then see where we've kind of gone from big tent, everybody welcome to well, yes, but maybe yes, maybe no, and so there's a lot perhaps that we need to not only as Americans, as Christians, and in the case of the audience that you'll be speaking to on Saturday as African-Americans, a lot that we need to really be held accountable for and take account of. Absolutely. We're even going to get to the point where we get to the 1960s, and you see the Republican Party responsible for the civil rights legislation that we are enjoying today. And you see the Democrat Party fighting this tooth and nail, the same legislation that we are enjoying today. So I'm not going to get into all of it, but we take you live from the 16, 1700, 1800, get you all the way up to current today. And it's amazing when the truth comes out, when you can see the facts for what they are. It's amazing how the light bulbs just go on all throughout Mm -hmm. the room. Amazing. And, and let's be clear about this. While we've touched on some things at the political realm, you, you mentioned about, you know, Republican Party, Democrat Party. Okay, that, that, that's, that's in a, a political context. But at the end of the day, this is really about how not only we, we judge each other, but ultimately how God judges us based on the content mm, of our character. Who are we in front of the Lord? And most Ooh. importantly, mm-hmm. when the lights are not on and nobody's mm-hmm. around, mm-hmm. Uh, who exactly are we? Exactly. 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 And, mm-hmm. and that's really the foundation of this series. It's called the Content of Character Series for that very reason. And we get right down to it. And it's, it's, it's never failed. At, at the end of the series, there's such dynamic discussion going on. You can see how people have come from here and they've moved all the way over, over to here. And they start dealing with not only the, the, the facts surrounding some of the issues that we're facing today publicly, but they also start dealing with some of the things they've struggled with personally. Mm-hmm. And it's amazing. Just to see God at work that way. A little light of day, a little truth-telling. Uh, it's amazing to see what, what will happen in terms of one's eyes being opened. Mm-hmm. And right. when you're confronted by right. those realities, I mean, right. at the end of the day, truth still matters. Yeah. Character still matters. You may not walk away with that impression by watching what's going on in Washington, <laughs> D.C. or 6 o'clock news. Uh, but no. you know what? While While it may not matter to the news department or to the politicians out there or even to a lot of Americans. I tell you where it ultimately does, mm-hmm. and that is it matters with God. Oh, yeah. Ooh, yes, and, it does. you know, we spend a lot of time judging each other. Mm-hmm. We maybe sometimes judge ourselves. The one judgment that we're not going to be able to avoid and the one judgment and the only judgment that really counts is exactly. going to be God's judgment. Yep. So where are we going to stand on the day when we're called to mm-hmm. give an account for mm-hmm. what we thought, what we've done, mm-hmm. what we failed right. to do? I know you're right. God's going to ask us that one question. Did you do? We're standing in front of God on judgment day. He's going to ask us, did you do what I told you to do? And I don't know how we can respond to that uh, outside of just being completely honest with you because you already know. You know, and and I, I know that both of you in your talks on Saturday are going to ultimately, whether it be the topic of 
mm-hmm. black genocide, mm-hmm. and abortion amongst the black community, to the history, issue mm. of history of the black community in America. At the end, the, the ultimate call is going to be to examine our hearts. Exactly. And most interestingly, if we fail to examine our hearts, one that will not is God. And the one who we can't kid, we can kid everybody else, kid everybody including else. ourselves. Yes, Sometimes yes. you get up in the mirror, the one that you're doing the best con job is the guy that looks back at you in the mirror. But you're not going to be able to pull no. it past God, are you? No, no, no not, not. not at all. And when that reality sinks in, our character, the internal dynamics within us start to change. Mm-hmm. And so it should be. The Content of Character series, again, taking place at South Bay Community Church. They're hosting the event. They do these all across the country. This one here in the Bay Area. This Saturday, November the 16th, registration at 8 a.m., and the event goes from 9 a.m. to 4 p.m. $70 worth of tickets. I'm giving away a pair. If you call right now, just call in. Say, I'd like to go. And uh, we'll hook you up at 888-367-5329. That's 888-367-5329. Great set of speakers, uh, not least of which including our guests tonight, Reverend Walter and Lori Hoy. Thanks to both of you for coming in. Always been awesome. Always great to get a chance Love to always catch good. up and talk about Jesus and, <laughs> That's uh, right. and to do a little truth telling here and com- comfort comfort the uh, the afflicted and afflicted the comfortable, as they right. say. Um, information, by the way, Issues for Life, the number four, issuesforlife.org, to follow the good work that Reverend Walter and Lori Hoy are engaged in in the pro-life movement. 608, we're going to get, I don't know what that means, we're late for something or early. The good thing is they're going to figure it out in a moment. Right now, let's figure out what's going on traffic-wise from the KFAX Traffic Center.